This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking, the show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. I'm your host, I'm Marshall Ramsey. I'm editor-at-large at Mississippi Today, and I draw a few cartoons as well. Hey, today, we got a special treat for you. We're sitting down with one of Mississippi's most talented and funniest ladies, Rita Brent. Yeah, she's back here in the studio where it all started. So listen as she talks with us a little bit about some new projects, music, and more. A lot of stuff to catch up with with her as well. We're going to welcome her in just a bit. I will probably bring her in anyway because that's just how she likes to talk. Well, yeah, she actually yeah. used to do this. So yeah, yeah, she's not, she's not shy at all. Now, that's right. <laughs> so Michelle and I will talk about some stuff, but right. we're going to bring Sharita in as well. <laughs> oh. Rita, excuse me. Michelle, <laughs> Which happy. one is it? Rita or Sharita? I don't know. I'm sorry. I referred to you as your old self well, back in the I day. I deleted Rita back and Sharita all night long. I kept taking out the C and Putting, I said, I don't know which one to call out. Oh, no, no, it's Rita. But it's uh, for many years, of course, she drove the bus here on the show and uh, had to put up with my garbage and everything. So, no. And I'm surprised she even came back. But she did come back, and she's got a sweet, <laughs> sultry voice today because you're doing a little emceeing over the week up at Mississippi, the weekend over at Mississippi State. So. Yeah, the Black Alumni Weekend at Mississippi State University, and uh, they raised over $40,000 in scholarships Whoa. for African-American students. But we had a day party that I hosted and a casino night gala, and I'm, I'm still recovering. Casino Night Gala. Yeah, I know how to play blackjack now. So I feel like somebody. Oh, man, no no kidding. Well, you know what, uh, Marshall? It's uh, President's Day. so It is President's Day. Your favorite president, of course, uh, is. Well, come on, throw it out there. Come on. Before we get to that. No, no, no. Good to have you on the mic. You can't even answer the question. I will in a minute. I'll tell you my Uh, favorite president. Right, exactly. I know. You know exactly who he is. He's great. That's why I said let's (laughs) turn on a mic because it's President's Day. And who better to talk about presidents in a funny way and just make it like it's Rita Brent. So, Rita, who Mm -hmm. is your favorite president and why? Okay, okay. Well, you can probably guess who it's not based on my material, uh, uh. but I will say, <laughs> I will say something funny about uh, President Trump. One thing I thought he taught us that was useful uh, was that when something is uh, you're accused of something and you don't like it, you just call it fake news. That's right, and you just keep repeating the same thing over and over and over, and people yes. will believe it after a while. Well, let me ask you well. this. But he's fun to draw. Five, I will give him that. So. Yeah. Five, five top so. Trump scenes. Five Quick. top? No. Or three. Ooh, Can't. that's... Ooh. It's not hard, I know. Uh, you just gave I, I really liked uh, to hear him say billions and millions. That was hilarious to me. Why is he enunciating so much? Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to stick with fake news as the biggest one. Because biggest one. Fake news. No lie, I got a call from Sally Mae last week, and she was like, hey, yeah, y'all, you owe us like 5000 I was like, fake news. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> I about. I wish man. I'd have had that when I was a kid. I could <laughs> use that a lot, fake news. Then yeah, whenever I got in trouble, I look at my parents and say, fake news. Yeah, yeah, I didn't do it, didn't do yes, it, fake Lord, news. Lord, I needed fake news back then. Yeah, Sally Mae will find you, they will find it, it was, you. It's weird, Change though, drawing cartoons mm-hmm. of him. You mm-hmm. know, because it's like, I, I would draw cartoons about him, and i get calls like, how dare you make fun of the president? I was like, I've been doing that for 30 years. That's what yeah. I do is make fun of presidents. And suddenly it became one. Don't I mean, do that. So he's a pretty funny there. character himself. Oh, he was, he was you know? very good at marketing. Got to give him credit on that one. Well, so, who was your that. favorite? Let's say that. So yeah, I, I know who mine was, but well, I'll let you start. Reagan. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, it's cliche, probably. Because I know. Exactly. I'm a, I'm a black person to say this, but Obama, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, Obama's even, pretty awesome. Yeah. Even, 
even post Obama, the way I think that he's been able to uh, carry himself, him and Michelle, um, and just still be present in the community, I think says a lot. Uh, even after you're out, how people treat you, um, that that says a lot. So it's going to be uh, President Obama. And, of course, uh, Michelle is just amazing. Her, exactly. her book is great, too. Have Becoming. you seen the HBO documentary of uh, President Obama? No, I haven't. Oh, my God. It's a three-part mm-hmm. mini-docu-series. And it starts from beginning with dead in Africa and um, finding them and all that, that whole journey yes. to uh, the Senate in Chicago, not even starting with... Um, the second part, you know, mm-hmm. the Senate, meaning how he got into uh, community service and working, how he got to Chicago, number mm-hmm. one. Then it merges and goes into when he decided to run for senator, uh, excuse me, yeah, senator, and that fight mm-hmm. against the guy who was already the staple in Chicago, and they were yes. uh, and they were like, "You're not going to win against him. No one knows you." Yeah, he was an underdog at yes. first. Now he did when he did the when he did the Democratic convention and he did the speech. That's the day he got on the radar, and that's the mm-hmm. day when you and the whole hope and change thing. I mean, he would get in front of stadiums and of course move people and everything. You know, it, it's funny. Like I said, I can do a good Reagan impersonation, uh-huh. but my son David can nail Obama. I mean, he sounds just really? like him. Oh, it's just great. Can he walk like him? That's, oh, of course. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. No, uh-huh. he, he's really, got the he moves. has the he, swag. Yeah. No, he does. Oh, he really Obama. does. I don't, you know, it's funny. I was wow. trying to think about who my favorite president is. I mean, when I was in high school, of course, Lincoln was president, and oh. that was really cool. What? Stop you it. Know. <laughs> he was a big fan of the theater, and I was too. Just, so. you, Benjamin Button? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I drank formaldehyde. That's how, I did. <laughs> That's how I stay young. But I don't know. You know, I mean, it was high school Reagan was in. So Reagan was kind of like Trump back then, because you know, he mm-hmm. was Teflon Reagan, you know. Mm-hmm. And he, well, Nancy and I are just, we're just glad to be here, you know. And he mm-hmm. had that great voice and everything. So that was the last president I learned how to do an impersonation of because mm-hmm. you know there was been those presidents since. yeah so. the Trump imp- impersonations just got kind of old after a while yeah, but no. still when I do them they work when I do when yeah. I impersonate no, you them do. it works yeah they yeah. do they do so I mean how are you good to see you likewise good to see yeah, you all so too. good to have you back here Gosh. I know it feels different it, it does know, I, yeah I, we're in a different studio because our other one is under renovation right now and of mm-hmm. course you don't have your control room which used to be a terrarium because you'd have like six heaters going at once you saw be, the first thing i did was no, I no, you drug it, it over here well, cold as nature human being you have on the a heater planet. and she probably warmed it up for you because she knew you were coming that's what you phrased it yes. yeah. yeah she's doing the thanks. new she is uh karen brown yeah, she's retired karen she's and, the new karen brown yes karen retired um and things are different here um but love to you know desiree is uh veteran in the game and love to hear in the mornings. And I want to shout out Jonas Adams, who yeah. uh, we started at MPB, MPB on the same day, yeah. and he left a little bit before I did, but he's in the DMV area, and he is now working with Michelle Martin. Um, and that is, uh, you talk about full yeah, circle. Our, NPR. Yeah, that yeah. Michelle Martin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with Weekend Edition, Jonas is producing for her. Oh, cool. Yeah, so Jonas and I got into radio at the same time at Jackson State, and we when Michelle Martin was Tell Me More with Michelle Martin on MPB, and now for him to be working with her, it's just it's just so meaningful. So uh, Jonas Adams was a producer and announcer here at the same time I was. So I'm uh, yeah. just proud of that man. I am too. Mm-hmm. I kind of wonder where he went. So I'm glad to know that. Yeah, he's awesome. in DMV. DMV area. Uh-uh-uh. Uh-uh. Well, we're kind of proud of you, too. I mean, you've done okay. Yeah, I've done all right. Yeah, you've, you've done, done all right. I'll be great once I get rid of these student loans. <laughs> You're I, never going to get rid of those student loans now. But the news dropped, and I got excited. Yeah, I saw they're going to be forgiving loans. Thought, then, yeah, that was a tease. It's a raffle. You have to worry. You have to put our name in a hat. What? Yeah, I don't know what it is. <laughs> because so, um, check a lady, my balance still there. Exactly. <laughs> a lady at my job was actually this weekend talking about that. She just turned around and said, how do you? 
you get these student loan forgiveness things going? Because um, she said, I just refinanced mine last year, and I'm upset. I'm, like, sitting at my desk like, um, good luck. Cause yeah, I'll be done paying by the time they're all forgiven. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly. The day you turn in your last payment, they're going to come on the news. And they're forgiving student loans today. And the president yeah. has, they say he has the authority to do that. I mm-hmm. don't know what the policy is on that, but they say, hello, air quotes, they. I mean, they, and I don't know they were giving they away money like crazy over the last two years. You think mm-hmm. they could have thrown a little bit of love your Maybe. way? Maybe. Right. Bit. Well, I heard that there was a number of 10,000 at least uh, that most students would get forgiven for for 10000 yeah. at least, and I'm under 10000 so I'm like, oh, that's me, but hasn't happened yet, so, uh, yeah. So when you get your Netflix comedy special, that's going to be the day you pay exactly. it off, right? I don't know if I want to use my Netflix exactly. money on student loans. <laughs> sign it, sign it down the line, and then call Sally May. Hey, here's your money. Don't so, call no, so, I might pay 10 extra a month, but, <laughs> yeah. No fancy fancy car, nice, nice new condo or something so like that. So you get yeah. money. I give you $10 a month. That's enough. But you know what's funny? With um, any type of student loans, they look at your income and say, what? They think you can pay back. Mm-hmm. I love it. You don't look and take into account anything else I have to pay. Just you. You're yeah. the only thing that matters. And I love it. I'm like, really? I'm on in the bathroom arguing with the lady on the phone saying, mm. we can't go down just a little bit more. Well, according to your income, wh- why are you looking at that? Yeah. Look at everything mm-hmm. and then take the bills I have to pay. Everything. Yeah. But she that's not we don't look at that, ma'am. I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna man. keep hope alive. I'm uh-huh. just so grateful the boys have scholarships on that. So right. it's like, yeah, no, every day I just like they're like, Oh yeah, we totaled the car today. That's okay. You mm-hmm. know how you're on scholarship. That's fine. Just yeah. total car, that's fine. Totally. We're good. Do the We're right thing, good don't lose that. a scholarship. So, yeah. How long are you in town for? <laughs> I'm leaving tomorrow morning. Are you really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You doing the airplane thing or the car thing? The airplane thing, uh, yeah. which is, it's of course, it's faster because I'm going back to Atlanta. Yeah, it's but faster. You, get, you go but, ATL hard in the airport. Yeah, but now when somebody coughs, I want to hop under the seat. I was going to ask you, because you've been traveling. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you, you've been traveling pretty much the whole pandemic. And yeah. you look like basically um, one of the mummies they find in Egypt. You're so wrapped yeah. up and everything. Mm-hmm. So, I put shades on to yeah. the black particles from going oh, in my do. eyes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you, know, you got that don't talk to me look on the airplane. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I used to talk to, hey, where are you from? Where are you going? Yeah, I don't no, ask uh-uh. any of those questions now. Just tell me work I, for the IRS. I do give people permission to wake me up for snacks, but don't say anything. Just tap me on my shoulder because I'm going to be upset if yeah. the, snack tra- the snack cart passes by and you didn't wake me up. That's that's not right. Have you avoided the COVID? Yes. Shockingly. Wow. My wife, neither of us have had COVID. Really? My mother hasn't had it. Oh, yeah. Pretty much and people in my family, we've not had it. How was your mama? She's doing well. You know, she, she, she earned like five more degrees since the last time I talked to you. Gosh, she's she the most driven just person that I know. One. Just that she's yeah. now Dr. Angela, and uh, that has been, uh, she's just a testament of you keep going. You know, yeah. she put she put her life on the back burner for me and my little sister because she had us when she was a little younger. And uh, she was a single mom for a while, and I remember her working three jobs. And then later in life, she went to get her master's, and then she got a Ph.D., so she's Dr. Angela now. So oh, She's one of my heroes. She yeah, really is. Always a testament of, of true resilience. And, and I know so. she's listening to the show, too. Mm-hmm. She always listened to the hey, show. Mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did. So mm-hmm. she's great. But, I mean, what a great role model for you. Man, I mean, she is the role model of all role models for me. Um, yeah. You know, any talent I have, it has been cultivated by my mother. She's a good singer, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, a dynamic singer. I yeah. wrote her a gospel song, Keep Holding On, and it's on uh, it's on Apple Music, and I'm talking about She Can Blow. So you write music. I mean, I know you write music because I've heard your songs, but you, like, mm-hmm. write music music, too. Oh, yeah. God, what, what don't you do? Music. Well, I mean. Well, you music. don't produce the show anymore. I know that. So. Yeah. And you drop I, the C. I just don't want to be put in a box, you know. That's um, smart. As a, as a creative, and you, you can attest to this. Yeah. You know, it, it's important that 
You don't you don't tell let anybody tell you that you should only be doing one thing. Amen. If God has blessed you with multiple gifts, then you do what your heart desires at the time, you know. From the book of Matthew, parable of talents. Mm-hmm. You've got to be the servant who uses all the talents. And you've done that, and you've gotten so many more. And I take it this music means that we're going to take a break. Oh, yeah. That's the quarantine shuffle right there. Yeah, no. It's <laughs> like I feel like I'm at the Oscars, and they're, they're starting to music me off. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we're talking with Rita Brent, our old friend. Uh, if you'd like to be part of the show, you can give us a call, and we will let you, we'd love to hear from you. 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing a doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Yeah. You're listening to Raised in the Sip, of course, performed by the world-famous, I love that, world-famous Rita Brent, who's in the studio today. Whether she's telling jokes on stage, playing in a band, or hamming up on social media, Rita Brent is sure to bring realness to the world. So let's welcome her back, one of Mississippi's history makers, Rita Brent. Rita, um... History makers. I like that. Oh, you made history today. So there you go. You showed up. So congratulations. I like that. I'll have to put that on a t-shirt and add it on the website. History maker? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. Make some money. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's that's the thing. You know, you talk about... I remember, you know, you and I working together, and you were talking about you were getting ready to plan your comedy career. Mm. And that's so scary. It really is when you have a dream like that to chase it. And Michelle and I were talking about Steve Harvey, you know, how he worked at, at a car plant making big bucks at the mm. time. And his wife was like, are you nuts to, to try to do that? Mm. Um, you were working here, and I'm not, I'm not sure you were making big bucks, but you had a solid job. You had a solid career. You were in national, medium bucks. You were in National Guard. You were getting a little extra bucks there and uh-huh. so forth. I mean, your life, you were doing some performing around, playing some drumming and so forth i mean it could have been one of those things where you said oh, you know what i think i feel pretty comfortable i'm gonna do that but you had this crazy dream you want to start doing stand-up and you started small you didn't mm-hmm. like say i'm just gonna quit everything and go jump into this right I mean, you started a little cushion yeah, yeah. a little financial but you cushion. Did it smartly yes i mean so the thing was i had a good a great job here at mpb i loved everybody i worked with which is not normal for most 
most people, you know, you're at work and it's a, yeah, a space of anxiety. Uh, but I wasn't anxious when I came here to MPB. I was right. friends with everybody I worked with, but there was still something within me, something in my gut that kept telling me you should be doing more. You can be doing more. Right. And I just had this conversation with um, a friend who is he's like the executive of a bank and he's making good money, but he wants to quit and do comedy. Yeah. And um, I told him, well, when you quit, what you will do is give yourself an ultimatum. So now because you have the bank money, you can rely on that. And then you may be doing comedy, but you don't have to. When you quit that job at the bank, you have to do comedy. You yeah. have to completely invest yourself into the art. And then things are just going to open up. You know, I told people when I quit MPB in 2017, that month, I got a $5,000 grant from the Mississippi Arts Commission. And so God was like, hey, I told you I had you. Yeah. But I was afraid. And then I read something and it was like, hey, feel the fear and do it anyway. You know, yeah. it's not this idea that you're not going to be afraid when you do something. But you are in the driver's seat. You can acknowledge, hey, fear, I'm going to put you in the trunk. But I'm going <laughs> to I'm driving the car. Yeah. You know, so just feel the fear and do it anyway. But for some people, you have to have a plan. You have children. Um, you have you have things that you need to take care of. So get yourself a financial cushion and get you a plan. But don't let the fear paralyze you. Yeah, I tell you, and I, I can tell you that just from, you know, the last 10 years, I've watched my career blow up mm -hmm. um, literally in my face. You know, being an editorial cartoonist is a little bit tough when there's like only 10 of them left in the country, you know. Yeah. But, um, but you know, once again, once you get past that fear, that false evidence appearing real, mm -hmm. once you get past that and you realize, okay, God's got this. We, we, we can use my talent and we'll see what happens. It opened up doors I never expected to happen. So, yeah. in a way, you were a huge inspiration to me even, us working together, because, I mean, here I'm sitting there watching you do it, but you, unlike the way I was doing it, you were very methodical about it. You had a plan and then, I mean, you know, you talk about the big breaks. And I remember Kevin Hart's Heart in the City. I mean, that, yeah. was, that was a quote-unquote big break. And I don't think people understand big breaks in the sense that they think that, oh, well, everything's going to be easy-peasy after you get your big break. I'm doing mm -hmm. air quotes for radio because, you know, it's such a visual medium. But yeah. the point is, is like everything, it's like all these little fires start to come together, and that's what causes it. Mm -hmm. Your career to well, take off. And, and, and don't don't uh, neglect the off season. So that's what the pandemic was for me. It was an yeah. off season and it was time for me to reset and rejuvenate because when I'm busy, I'm really busy. I don't have time to read. I don't have time to sit down and eat with my wife and pet the dog. But when I'm, when I'm off now, I'm taking that time to just center myself. Yeah. So we think when we're not busy, that we're not being useful or we're not being productive. Well, no, sometimes you just need to rest so you can get ready for the on season. So that's what the pandemic pandemic was for me and January was an off season for me I didn't have much but my March is lit but now I've been rejuvenated so I'll be ready for March when the pandemic hit you had moved to New York at that point right yeah and so everything shut down <laughs> I mean things shut number one New York was one of the first places in the country to really get hit by COVID so Ooh. they shut everything down tight so suddenly you had made that big scary move to New York and everything shut down and you had to come back home and I think sometimes people think that if you take a step back, that that's some kind of failure, but it wasn't. It, it just allowed you, like you said, to be able to rejuvenate and open up some new doors. Yeah, so we moved to New York 2020, or was it 2019? I can't keep it, up. It's been 500 years since It was then. the end of 2019. Right. And uh, then the pandemic hit March 2020. So I was doing great in New York yeah. before the pandemic. I had, I had done Carolines on Broadway, and things were starting to shift in a great way. Yeah. Pandemic hit March 2020, and I was set to come home to to the Mississippi Black Alumni Weekend gig. And uh, that night before I was going to fly home, my wife said, 
She said, I don't feel right. I want to come with you. Something that doesn't feel right. I said, are you sure about this feeling? Because this ticket is $400. So <laughs> whoever's speaking to you, check with them again and right. make sure. And so she was right. Uh, so we got that. I think it was United Airlines flight for $400 the night before. Yeah. We came back to Mississippi and we stayed there three months because that's when the pandemic took full uh, it took full uh, form. And then uh, we went back to New York after a few months. And so we were in New York uh, that summer and, you know, things were just different. Yeah. Everybody was wearing masks and uh, you're on the subway and it was just hot. And it was it was weird, you know, being in New York right after the pandemic. And so we just decided to move to Atlanta. So we've been there for like a year. How's Atlanta turned out for you? I mean, because there's, there's okay. a lot, a lot of things entertainment-wise that seem to be, you know, because I mean, I was talking to Angie Thomas. She's she's kind of spending her time over there some too. Yes, it's a lot of opportunity for um, creatives and entrepreneurs, yeah. and uh, it's very diverse. I'm right. talking about in terms of food, in terms of culture, in terms of art. It's very diverse. Uh, so I, what part I, of town I like Atlanta. You, what part of town are you in? Buckhead, that area. Yes. Okay. That's exactly yeah. where we are. Yeah. yeah. So I don't like the fact that I have to have my GPS on everywhere I go. I mean, I just everything. Peachtree. <laughs> yes, I feel dumb that I have to depend on this GPS. Wait, what if she just decides to tell me to go somewhere? You know, one day. What yeah. if she's just not feeling good, right. and then I end up in somebody's uh, front yard? You know, but uh, Atlanta's cool. Atlanta's yeah. cool. My my wife is doing well. She's a ceramicist, and um, yeah, we're we're finding our way. I hear she can really cook well too. Oh man, she. Man, I saw your post the other day. I'm just like, okay, I'm, can I? Will y'all adopt me? Yeah, we'll you need adopt a kid. You, you need a fifty year old kid. Don't you get a credit kid. for adopting? Yeah, yeah, you do. Fifty four year old kid, write me off your taxes. It's yeah. pretty good. So we'll I'm adopt good. You. I can clean. Yeah. I got, so I got some skills. Wait, wait, how's your dog? Yeah, how's your? Well, oh, Miss Hazel is fine. Yes. Yeah, everybody's like, yeah, your wife gonna have kids. Wait, well, first of all, it's not that easy. Okay, we're right. two women. Where we gonna scramble our eggs? Right. And so uh, we got. Hey, look, it's, it's <laughs> the twenty first century. Anything's possible. We can do these things. Don't add it to the mix right now. I would say. If you need a kid, I can lend you one. Yeah, yeah. I was trying out some bits. I ain't trying to. Get canceled. But exactly. We have a uh, we have a, a an Aussie doodle. She's an Australian Shepherd mixed with a a, a doodle, a poodle, mm-hmm. and she is freaking adorable. But she's just like a child. Yeah. She, she wakes up. She has to use the restroom. She tries to get in that bed. Sometimes she wants the dry food. Sometimes she doesn't. So you just have to put her through college. Actually, having the puppy, yeah, is made us like, no, nah, exactly. we we good on kids. Now you see, look, look, now you see what us parents say when we have people that don't have children say, I, I just really want to be a parent, and we're like. You do? Uh, get a pet. I tell everyone, get in, get a pet, and then you'll see yeah. the difference. I wanted to ask you, why did you name know, her Miss Hazel? Because that's I an say, old school name. <laughs> I can tell you this. That, Hazel yeah, Eyes. Yeah, that is. Really? Okay. Yeah. I look Hazel at Miss Hazel, and I'm like, wait, how what? old is she now? Is she, She's uh, like 10 months. I know. You call her Miss Hazel, so I'm because, like, yeah. you know, Bernice would have been good, or you Bernice. Know, Bertrude. Or, well, if we get the Bernadoodle that we want eventually, we'll, we'll call Bernice. it Bernice. So yeah. you have two dogs, Miss Hazel I will say about the whole, you know, comparing kids to the... You know, children thing. I've never had a phone call because Pip is, you know, in jail. You know, and I didn't have right. kids my kids either. But okay, that's it. There, that up, there is a little bit more of a possibility with with the kids than the dog. So well, and but, I, you can't leave a, a kid in the crate. You know, I can, we leave the puppy in the crate sometimes. You know, to go you out. Can't? Yeah, we leave her in the crate. I mean, you can't leave bed. a kid in the crate. Well, you know, man. Listen, I'm not going to okay. judge how you exactly. parent. No, but. man. No, man. <laughs> Builds them some strength. I don't think you need to continue speaking no, right now because I'm a mandate all uh, good. reporter, They're all and good. I don't want, you know, Marsh, I wouldn't want to have to do that to you. <laughs> no, don't worry. Everything that I'm saying is complete lie. So that's not a problem. Um, uh, yeah. 
You know, seriously though, and, and you talk about the whole parable of the talents, and you, you've 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 branched out. You, you and you've always been a multiple talent. I mean, I remember you drumming, and then I found out you could really sing well. That that was kind of cool. But you're doing writing now, and I think when I saw, um, when I'm sitting there watching the the the, the Emmys, mm-hmm. you know, and all suddenly, boom, <laughs> there's your name mm-hmm. on that. What, I mean, that had to be one of the most incredible experiences getting to write that, being, being a writer for that. Oh, yeah. I, I just have to tell the story about that. I was, uh, I started gigging with Cedric the Entertainer a couple years ago, uh, so I'm still on tour with him. And uh, last summer, we had a weekend at Naples, Florida um, yeah. at, this, at this comedy club, and it was just me and him. I was opening for him, doing like 25 minutes, and then he would come up and do an hour. One night... I was standing to the side, listening to Sid sit, and I just heard some punch-ups. That's what we call it. Is when you you add to the joke, you know, say, hey, maybe you can add this word or add this line, and you know, make it a little more funnier. And so I had this, took these notes, and I called my mom, and I said, Mom, I got some notes, you know, that I took for Sid sit. Should I give it to him? Like this is the king of comedy, you know? And she said, Well, the the most he can do is just say no or not use the notes. So just take the chance. I said, okay. And so I sent him a text. I said, hey, you know, I made some notes on your set. And uh, the next night, he went out and used them, and most of them worked. And I was beaming with pride. Wow. And he was just quiet. You yeah. know, he, he's, he's very laid back and chill. And then a couple months later, his manager called and said, hey, Rita, say it wants you to write for him for the Emmys. I was like, huh? <laughs> I mean, he, you know you call this Rita, okay? Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, he wants you to write for you for the Emmy, write for him for the Emmys. And I said, wow, okay. So that chance that I took... In Naples, Florida, yeah. that night, all I did was take a chance and send him those notes. I was fearful, but I felt the fear and sent the text anyway. Led to me writing for him for the Emmys. Why? So, why? It, why were you afraid? You afraid that he was going to shun you, or just you know that would end your working relationship, or his ego no, would get in the way? Or no, it's just maybe this wouldn't be funny to him. You okay. know, uh, yeah. he's he's been in the business for a long time, and, yeah. uh, and I'm a young buck, and but I I have performed with him enough to know his voice. You know, yeah. And so, how just, usual is that though for other comedians to be that open for any constructive? you know criticism or or suggestions uh it it honestly depends on the comedian i am open to constructive criticism um and you have to be especially if you're a younger comedian like i tour with older comedians so it would be silly of me to not take their advice you can't go to college for this Right. You can't. It's trial and error. When you're performing, that's when you get a real gauge of whether you're funny or not. And you I hope that other comedians are on the side listening to me and say when I get off and say, hey, Rita, you can say this and punch it up. When I first started touring with Ricky Smiley in 2016, he immediately started mentoring me immediately. He has been a blessing to you in so many different ways. Yeah, I would I would uh, curse sometimes out of nervousness, you know, and uh, Ricky said, hey, don't do that. Don't don't if if you're going to curse, make sure it's a part of the punchline. And so now I curse less. I don't take a shot of Jack Daniels before I perform because it doesn't help. Ricky Smiley taught me all that. So you have to be willing to listen. So he literally taught you the professional side of the business. Absolutely. He still is. We'll touch on that in just a second as well. We're going to take a quick break. This is now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. But don't leave me mm, on the side of the road. 
This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Shout out to Kamala Harris. It's your girl, Rita B. I ain't no rapper, but I got bars. Yeah. Kamala, Kamala, ooh. I'm so lit, I don't know what I'ma do. Now that she running with biting, I'm vibing. You mad and you whack a black woman made you. She repping AKs, I'm repping DST, but we are all the same. Call it Greek unity. She is my sister and I am her pusher. If it ain't black excellence, it is irrelevant. Why you mad? She with a white man. Better love while you still can. Worry less about her husband and more about where her heart stands. Cause representation is what we need. And you ain't gonna sit here and tell me that the first black woman VP ain't what little black girls need to see. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Kamala by our guest today, writer, comedian, musician, actor, all-around talented human being, Rita Brent. Uh, If you'd like to be part of the conversation, well, you can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. It is President's Day. And, of course, that is a song about the vice president. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, okay. I, Michelle and I both wanted to know this. Uh, did you ever hear from her about this song? Because it, it got some traction. I mean, it was it was it out did. about. Yeah. It so, went viral yeah. several times. Yeah. Uh, TikTok, Twitter, and uh, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I think it popped up the other day. I did a freestyle first. I didn't do a full song. Yeah. I was in my little small bedroom in New York. And what happened at the time, I felt like Kamala was getting... Um, some backlash that was a little unusual. I yeah. mean, it's not unusual considering the history of the nation of being right. sexist. But I thought it was just unfair uh, the way that she was getting attacked. You know, when you have a male candidate, uh, certain things are not even brought up, like uh, whether she he is mean. My hair? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whether he's mean or, you know, they were yeah. talking about her hair, what kind of wig she had on. I'm like, this is, this is ridiculous. Right. You know, judge her by her qualifications. And so I said, well, for me, the best way to express myself is through music. So I did the freestyle first, and it got such good traction. I did the entire song. And so one night um, I was in my living room in New York, and I got a call like 11 p.m. And I was like, oh, man, who is this? You know, because you know, I don't answer calls like that. It might be, you know, spam or bill collectors. It could be, yeah, student loan Yeah, collector. it could be Navient. Yeah. Yeah. And I answered the phone, and it was like five women on the phone. I said, hey, we are Kamala's sorority sisters. We pledged with her at Howard, and we love the song. She's heard it. She loves the song. And we want you to perform on a voting, a virtual voting event. And, uh, yeah, I almost cried. You know, I never spoke with Kamala directly. Right. But I spoke with the people who know her, and they, you know, said she loved the song. So that was great. And uh, let me tell you something. You do political material, whether it is in music or whether it is in comedy, you have to have some thick skin. Because the the kind of responses you get from trolls and different folks who have no idea the sacrifice it takes to lead and even be in a political position or be the first to do something, uh, it it can get overwhelming. So I just decided to focus on the positivity I was getting from the song and uh, hush all the noise. You know, you're talking to a political cartoonist, so I completely understand that. And it's like the captain's (laughs) turned the no-joking sign off. I mean, everybody has lost their mind Mm -hmm. these days about stuff. So people 
people get offended very quickly. But, you know, I had the same thing with the Bush cartoons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when suddenly you find out, well, the family loves the cartoons. Well, that means a lot. That's really cool. And next, yeah. you know, I'm sitting on stage with Jenna Bush Hager, you know, chatting it up. And I'm like going, this is so surreal. So I know that had to feel that way when you're finding out. Yeah, not only did she hear it, she loved it. And her friends who know her and love her the best loved it, too. Yeah, so that's that, that was very cool. satisfying. So it is mm-hmm. it kind of just like tell all the trolls, just shut, just shut up. Right. Just and you, you know, say so at the beginning of the song, I, I ain't a rapper, but I got bars, you know. So I, <laughs> I, I definitely don't want to be considered a rapper or called a rapper. I'm not going to call myself Lil Rita, Lil Nothing, because it's like <laughs> as soon as you add Lil to your name, here comes the violence. So I'm yeah. just Rita. Right. I'm just Rita. Just Rita. <laughs> tell me, I mean, a little bit, like seriously, when you were, I mean, of course, you played basketball in high school and everything, and you started mm-hmm. doing the drumming and everything. When you were 18 years old, what did you think you were going to be when you grew up? I thought I was going to be playing drums for Prince. Okay. That's what I thought, well, because that's... I was a full-blown drummer at the time, and yeah. I was getting snuck into the casinos to play with DMAR and the New Funk Society. And, uh, yeah, you know DMAR, and I was playing with Dexter Allen and Grady Champion. So I was for sure thinking that I was going to end up playing for Beyonce or Prince. Yeah. Uh, comedy wasn't on my mind at the time. Halftime show this year, Super Bowl. Uh, that was epic. pretty. See, I kind of liked epic. it because that's like you know Gen X. You know that, that's yeah. those those my, those that's my age. And instead of watching Snoop Dogg going, that dude's like completely. <laughs> <laughs> number one, he's baked, but I, I mean, that's kind of baked <laughs> into the the pie. But man, he's like does not age. Yeah, and he's like becoming America's sweetheart or something as yeah. he gets older. Fifty Cent. What are the he odds? He looks like about a buck. <laughs> I mean, he, oh he's man, they clown of, Fifty Cent. Yeah, that was a little rough, but I just thought it was hilarious how he just kind of slid down like the Black Spider Man. I thought yeah, that was hilarious. that was pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> and Dr. Dre, man, the guy can play piano. Who knew? I mean, now, see, I said this on Facebook, and people were like, "He's a producer. Why didn't you think he wouldn't be able to play piano?" Because a lot of producers don't. Right? You know, I produce songs. I don't know how to play piano. Well, you better get learning, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I can play the drums, uh, but uh, and Mary J. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, I I was almost in tears, you know, yeah. when she performed because I did watch her documentary, Michelle, and uh, Mary just talks about now she's realizing who she is, even though she's been famous for all this time and had money most of the time, she didn't know who she was. So those songs, they they just have a different impact now. I thought it was probably my second favorite show. Who's Prince, the first? Prince playing "Purple Rain" in the rain. Oh yeah, you can't you can't play no, that. No, you can't. Mm-hmm. No, that was that was a, a from above moment. It was yeah, pretty Beyonce's awesome. Beyonce's is one of mine as well. She was yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there's just some people that can fill up a room. Yeah. When you the first time you spoke to a really big, I mean, you, you did stand up in front of a huge crowd. Mm-hmm. Was and I think probably the first really big shows were here at the Alamo for you. Yeah. What was that like? Did you feel like that, you know, I mean, was that different than speaking to just like 20, 30 people? I mean, oh yeah, the energy has to be just off the charts. Yes. Like you can feel some kind of electricity in your body, yeah. even when I'm at Thalimar Hall. Yeah. Um, and the thing about being at Thalimar is it is completely dark in the audience. I can't see, you can't see any anything, yeah. but I can hear and feel everything. Yeah. That is priceless. It is prices, and I often don't even get to do my whole set when I'm in somewhere like the Thalimara because the laughter is just is just raging. Yeah. So it does feel good, but uh, I think you can really tell if you're funny or not if you can make a crowd of 15, 15 to 20 laugh. Right. Because you're right there in their faces. Yeah, and you're looking at them. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you ever get to the point, and I do this sometimes I speak, you find that one person in the room that looks grumpy. Oh, yeah. And you just make it a challenge. It's like, I'm yeah. going to make you laugh. Yeah, and, depending on how I'm feeling, I might, you know, mess up, talk with them a little bit. Yeah, uh, mess you know. a little bit. Hey, Reed, I want to say, <clears throat> remember we did a, uh, a small little set at Tougaloo a couple mm-hmm. of years ago? 
That's it was for uh, Alpha Phi Alpha. Oh yeah, Damien. yeah. It was really small. Remember, it was just a yeah. A were we in the Benny Thompson Center? Exactly. Uh huh. That's when I realized I knew you were special, but that little room mm-hmm. with those people oh, in there, and you, when I say funny. My stomach was hurting. I know you've heard this so many times. As a DJ, it's funny. As a DJ and as a performer, too, mm-hmm. you want to hear people say, girl, my hair was wet when I left that party, or you, you killed it, or I danced all night. Those yeah. are the things you want to hear from people. But mm-hmm. you don't say, tell me that. you just like, okay, at the end of the night when they say, girl, you had me on the floor all night. That feels good. You're like, okay, I'm DJing. People enjoy me. That's what you want to hear. You yeah. had my stomach hurting. That's good. And yes. Yeah. Did I, you I pass said, a little gas when you laughed A little too? bit. A okay. little bit. That's your you are right. hilarious. <laughs> right. yeah. And I've, I've always said, that's not, that's not, you can't be taught that. Mm-hmm. Your timing, I know you, you say you hone the craft and you learn timing and things like that, but you're, in, to me, innately funny. Did you ever think you were a funny person? No, I didn't, because, I mean, I worked with you. You weren't funny at all. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, most people, no, that's funny. No, I'm just that's kidding. funny you say yeah, that. No, I'm just teasing. But you were very professional, very serious. I knew you were funny. But I I'm mean, an introvert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And You're people, very quiet. They, they are shocked when I say that. I'm an introvert. Uh, yeah. I, I get social anxiety. If I have a choice, I would rather be in a small group than a big group. I don't like walking in front of people. That gives me anxiety. But now that I am a comedian, people are just coming back to me in all walks of life saying, you remember you were funny. You remember you did this funny thing on the basketball team? I, one of my basketball teammates said I used to like preach and pretend like I was a preacher in the locker room before the games and, and entertain them. And I don't even remember that. But I do know that I have always been the one trying to get the laugh in the room just some kind of way but i just didn't know that you could do it professionally so i you know god has been preparing me for it my whole life and it may have been better that i didn't know you you being you being an introvert Mm -hmm. though is so important for i mean you and frida's relationship Mm -hmm. and the way that you set up this normalcy and this home base and this place for you to be able because when you're on stage you're electric i mean you really Mm -hmm. are but then and i'm that way too i don't like crowds that much, and I'm in front of like 500 people, and then when I go home, I want home to be totally different. Is this yeah. kind of, you've kind of set that up that way, haven't you? Yeah, I don't want to perform at home. Yeah. You know, now if I have some friends over, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be funny. Yeah. yeah, we, yeah. Hey, let me tell you this though, and and like I said, I you know I worked with you, and I considered myself a friend of you, and I never knew a lot of what you were going through in your life. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things about your comedy, and I think your jokes early on were good. Mm-hmm. I mean, in you know, but like they were so, immature. They were immature, but when they got mature was when you actually started having the courage and you talk about blowing past the fear mm-hmm. the courage of talking about your life yeah. and the things that you went through and you know we had absolutely one of the most devastating tragic public suicides in Jackson last week mm-hmm. a young, young lady at Murrah took her life and that's where you went to school as well yeah. and you wrote a very passionate post about that talking about relating you know things in your life and everything and you know I went back and listened to your stand up of course and, and your album that's on you know iTunes and listened to that and you were very open about that that, mm-hmm. you, that you there was a time in your life when you faced some real darkness because you were just you were having your divorce at that point mm-hmm. you were making that career shift at that point um, you thought about taking your own life and you mm-hmm. decided to stick around um yeah. Um, when the situation happened with the young lady at Murrah, it just took me back to my 10th grade year at Murrah. And that was a shift for me yeah. um, because that's when I was having my gender identity issues. You know, yeah. like I, I was like, I don't feel feminine. And I had started dressing like a, a boy. I mean, one day I was wearing form fitting clothes. And the next I was wearing like gigantic jerseys like Allen Iverson and Criss Cross. And it just shifted so fast. And I was trying to figure myself out in the 10th grade at Murrah. And so I had safe havens, though. 
you know, so even though I was going through this transition on the inside, trying to figure out who I was, I could talk to my mother about it. Yeah. I had teachers I could talk to. There were a couple friends who didn't alienate me and I could talk to them as well. And I just wondered, you know, I guess this, this little girl maybe did not have a safe haven yeah. and it just, it just touched me so deeply. And I think that, you know, we need to, what I, what I did in the 10th grade was I drew near to people who drew near to me yeah. and it doesn't have to be a whole bunch of people. You know, just whoever at the time that you can express yourself to to get through temporary moments of weakness so you don't make a permanent decision could be helpful. And I guess it was, what, 2017. I was um, uh, still grieving my divorce because I had felt a lot of guilt from some things that I did. And in my comedy, I was not being open about any of that. You know, I was still doing real surface level goofy jokes. And then I had expressed to somebody, I said, you know what, I don't want to be here anymore. You know, and I I own a pistol and it was on the bed. And I, you know, I told a joke about this. Thank God I'm a procrastinator. I just never got around to it. You know, I started cleaning up and I was like, let me, you know, check the mail and do the dishes before I get out of here. I don't want my house to be dirty. And I never got around to it. But when I expressed to my friend aloud, I said, I don't want to be here. It's like my stomach dropped. And I was like, oh, wait, God, I changed my mind. I think I do. I think I do want to be here. But I had a safe haven, somebody I could talk to at the time. And then that's when the, the. the phrase came to me, don't make a permanent decision in a temporary of, of weakness, a temporary moment of weakness. And Maya Angelou talks about this. You know, she said you could take your life or you could stay here and just see what's going to happen. You know, your circumstances might change, but how will you know if you don't stay? So I'm not here. I'm not judging anybody, you know, because yeah. I don't know any kind of demons that people are fighting. And it may be that it, they feel like it will be easier on the other side. But just my own experience, I'm glad that I you know, was able to weather that emotional storm and get through it. How therapeutic is it to stand up on stage and be able to tell the world what's going on in your head? Oh, it's good. It's good. Uh, I'm thankful that I have that platform. And I want to help other people find a platform as well because everybody's not a musician. Everybody's not a comedian. They can't express themselves in music like Mary J. Blige when she's going through something or like uh, a Dave Chappelle, you know, when he feels everybody doesn't have that option. And so I had started this topic on Facebook with people talking about why I stayed. And I'm getting getting all kinds of comments where people were about to commit suicide and then something happened. And they're like, well, here's why I stayed. Here's why I stayed. Here's why I stayed. Um, So, yeah, for me, it is therapeutic. It is a release. And it's more impactful after the show. When I am open about something like divorce, when I'm open open about my sexuality, um, and then people come to me and say, oh, I'm having the same experience. You might have saved my life tonight, or yeah. you helped me figure out how to talk to my own child about this. Um, so I want to be funny, I want to be musical, but I also want to be impactful in terms of mental health, because we, we, we all need help. Especially after the last couple of years. It like, yeah. seems like everybody's lost something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's it's incredible on that. Um, mm-hmm. And to be able to hear that, I mean, how many responses do you think you've gotten on that so far? Uh, at, at least 100 because I posted really? it on YouTube and I posted it on Facebook. Yeah. Instagram is, is more about stunting and flossing your uh, stuff. So I don't put uh, sentimental stuff on Instagram as much. Um, but, yeah, on Facebook and YouTube, the comments have been amazing. Like, just brought me to tears. People are like, I stayed because of my kids. Yeah. Um, or I stayed because uh, God sent me a sign and told me I needed to stay. That's beautiful. But we just need to destigmatize uh, getting therapy. There's nothing wrong with it. It yeah. doesn't mean that you're crazy. It may mean you just need one session or maybe you need more. Yeah. Uh, because we all have some kind of trauma and we need to get to the root of it, which typically starts in childhood. 
Yes. You know, I have I have anxiety when it comes to vomit, and it's because of something I experienced <laughs> in my childhood. Yeah. But you, I talked to a therapist. That's how I found that out. So you get to the root and identify the struggle, and then you can figure out how to conquer it. Well, I have anxiety about vomit because I used to be a custodian. Oh, oh I, I couldn't imagine. It is the worst. It I is know. the worst. You know, it is a reminder, though, that we are all artists, mm-hmm. and every day we have a chance to be able to paint a picture and change someone's life. And you're doing that. All right, we're going to take our Thank final you. break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with the uber-talented comedian, musician, host, writer, and actress, Brita, Rita Trent, Brita, Brita Rent. See, I just renamed you there. Oh, you can tell it's Monday. It's a day off. Okay, it's not too late to join in the conversation. Give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. This is Now You're Talking. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center and host of Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking. Join us as we explore issues that relate to you and your family, from mental health obstacles and family interactions to handling life disruptions. Whatever the issue, let's try to figure it out together. You can listen live Tuesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. What's this? Another beat, another struggle song. I thought they said someday we would overcome. Problem is, they never said how long. So they still oppressing us, vexing us like it's day one. I gotta wonder if they doing it for fun. Hunting black folks down across the whole nation. Who I'm kidding? Bald eagles got more rights than us. Won't give us no rights unless we march and fuss. We live it. With a D at war with the P's. Will you comply? Please wanna keep us on our knees. Even when we don't resist, get hit with bullets. Man, this some bullshit. We just trying to exist. My hair don't mean you no harm, organic just like a farm. Don't punish me cause I was born with charm. You can still be best without treating me like a threat. Last time I'ma say it, get your knee off our necks. Put your hands up. If you sick and tired of being tired. Put them up. If you sick and tired of your people dying. My skin ain't a crime, I wanna survive. I deserve to be alive. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey of Mississippi Today. We're talking with comedian, musician, host, writer, and actress Rita Brent. That is the song I deserve to be alive. It's one of your newest songs. It came out, I guess, in 2020 during the Black Lives Matter uh, during actually the George, oh God, just that was, really awful summer. It was just terrible. And I remember seeing your posts on social media, and you were, I mean, and once again, like I said, 
your comedy has gotten so much better when you've started to add a lot of what was going on inside of you, but just your ability to do social commentary through your music and through your comedy has mm-hmm. just gone up a notch. That song is incredibly powerful. Thank um, you. You did a great job. Yeah, I dropped it 2021. It was 2021, okay. Yeah, um, and what sparked it was the uh, the killing of Dante Wright. Okay. Um, if you know the uh, the young man who... Um, the the officer Kim Potter yes. grabbed the gun yeah. instead of the taser. Yeah, yeah, she recently just got two, two years, two years, a yeah. whopping two years. Yeah. And uh, against my better judgment, I watched the video, Ooh. which you know many say that's you shouldn't do that. You're re-traumatizing right. yourself, but it's like you want to watch it to see. Well, did he deserve it? You know. And so after I watched it, I said, "Wow, this is this is interesting." So. I uh, wrote the song, and I called up my friend uh, Donovan Scott. I said, hey, I, I definitely want this one to be live music, um, because I was thinking about Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's it's sad that we still have to say Black Lives Matter. Um, and I'm like, well, maybe if I put it in a song, it'll start happening. <laughs> um, and so, oddly enough, this song has not gotten the same traction as something goofy I would do on social media. Right. You know, you know, it, it did some numbers on TikTok, but I said, you know what? It's not about the numbers. It's just about the impact. And you whoever, needed to say it, though. Yeah, I yeah. needed to say it. I needed to say it. That that was my release. Um, so, you know, I can't just, as I was having a conversation with Talamika Bryce, who did the Obama mural outside yeah. um, Obama school, and we were talking about art in Harlem Renaissance, and uh, you know, she was like, you know, so much good art comes from the struggle. And I said, that's true, but I want to create art apart from the struggle. I just want to exist and not have to write a Black Lives Matter song. Right. I don't want to have to do that. If I want to just make a fun song, you know, like country music, everybody's excited. They're in their Ford pickup trucks and they're drinking beer. I want to just sing about that, but I can't. Because being a black person in America, we're still under attack, you know, and some of it is within our own community and we have to deal with that. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm glad that I made this song and I hope that it resonates with whom it's supposed to resonate with. I'm grateful you've got all those platforms to be able to do that. A, a because you know, I care about you and I'm just glad you have that. But also, too, what you're putting out there is so strong and it's so important. Mm-hmm. So on that. And I'm not going to be put in a box. You know, if no. I if I wanted- oh, you'll be put in a box eventually. Well, yeah, you know. true that. I don't know. I'm thinking about cremation, but um, if I if I want to do comedy, fine. But yeah. if I want to do music that reflects what's happening socially, you know, you got that option too. I, I have to do it too. It's my responsibility. Got to ask you, what what are your thoughts about JSU and Dion? Oh, I'm excited. Oh, okay, that's, that's yeah. Okay. Hashtag the I love. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he's raising some awareness. You know, folks are coming to Jackson that never would have come before. I know it. He's helping change the narrative. So I'm down with it. Shout out to Dion and shout out to Jackson State. Don't you love his energy though? Oh yeah. And it's, when it's he gets great. that foot back, it's going to be on and popping. <laughs> it's going to be Definitely on and popping. All right. Um, where can folks find you? At Rita Brent Comedy on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, all those social media things. Booking at RitaBrent.com is how you, you book me. Yeah, help me pay off these student loans. Let's go. That's what we're here for. And uh, <laughs> what's the next big thing coming up? I am writing for the Academy of Country Music Awards. That just came down the pike, and that is thanks to Cedric. So connection from the Emmys, and now your girl is going to Las Vegas to write, to Las Vegas to write for the Country Music Awards. And Dolly Parton is hosting. Okay. What? Yeah, America's Queen. Yes. Definitely I cannot that. wait. 
to okay. meet her. You're now officially my hero. Rita, so good to see you. Thank you for having me. Michelle, thank you. We want to thank you for listening today and thank our guest, multi-talented Rita Brent, for stopping by the studio today. If you'd like to hear this show again or any past episodes, you can listen to our podcast on your favorite podcast app or our MPB public media app. Now You're Talking is a production of MPB Think Radio. It's produced by Michelle Bakadu. Hey, stay tuned. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit with Josie Bidwell is coming up. Join us next week at 10 a.m. for another great conversation here on MPB Think Radio. Y'all have a great week.